you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from the com. The Chris Voss Show. Com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. Oh, my gosh. Why does he always say that? I don't know, because it's the intro of the podcast. Anyway, guys, uh, you know the drill. Get yourselves over to YouTube.com so you can watch the video version of this podcast because the video version, 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 in Swedish, we call it version. Um, the video version of, uh, of it, you can watch. It's really cool technology. You can even watch on your phone. It's amazing. It's 2020 now. There's all sorts of cool stuff like that. Or, you know, if you just like listen to the auto version, you can do that as well. Uh, you can go to the CVPN, refer to your favorite friends, neighbors, relatives, even give it to your enemies. Like, have your enemies listen to it. Maybe they'll become better people, and then you can be friends again with them. Never thought of that, did you? Neither did I. I just brought it up. So, anyway, guys. <laughs> Before I segue again, we always have the most wonderful guests on the Christmas show. Um, I can't think of a time where we didn't have the best guests. Let me see. No, there wasn't a time ever. We always had the best guests and uh, brilliant authors, brilliant minds. And today we have another one. This gentleman is so smart. Uh, he's brilliant. That's how brilliant and smart he is. Uh, Finn Brunton, he's the professor at UC Davis. That's how smart he is. Uh, he is the author and co-author of several books, including Spam, A Shadow History of the Internet, Obfuscation, A User's Guide for Privacy and Protest, and Digital Cash, The Unknown History of the Anarchist, Technologist, technologist and Utopians Who Created cryptocurrency so this is going to be fun to have him on welcome to the show there uh finn how you doing buddy i'm doing great thank you so much for having me that's one hell of a long title digital cash <laughs> the unknown yeah. history of anarchists utopians and technologists who created cryptocurrency you can get it on amazon or other places uh give us your dot com so people can find you on the interwebs yeah, so I'm at uh, finnb, F-I-N-N-B dot net is uh, my home for everything. And it's got links to all the books. As you say, many of them, uh, you know, we're living in an age of super long book titles. So many of them have, <laughs> way too, but one of these days, I'm going to have like a masterpiece and it's just going to be called, you know, money or, you know, it. plans or something. One word, monosyllable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just to, just uh, to give you guys, I was having some fun with Finn in the pre-show where we loosened everybody up and I, I said, man, have you ever, you ever thought of having a book title that's just like one syllable words? <laughs> that's kind of where that yeah, comes from. Yeah. We're yeah. like, you know, back in the 1700s, like everyone would have their book titles be like, you know, the something, something or the tale of blah, 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 blah. And like, we're going back to that now. Yeah. Mine's just going to be book. <laughs> yes. There we go. That's the <laughs> ultimate. Yeah, totally. So what's your book about? books so so this this book is uh oh i'm sorry yeah no that's I'm, okay go ahead um no i um so this this book is about um in some ways there's a little bit of a bait and switch because you kind of see the title or or the way it's been presented online it's like this is a book about bitcoin and it is but bitcoin really only appears in like the last quarter it's actually a book about trying to understand how 
the, the technologies that made up Bitcoin and all of these other cryptocurrencies that we talk about now, blockchain systems, all that stuff, those technologies actually go back decades. And that when we look back at them and also understand why the the sometimes very unusual, sometimes very strange reasons why people wanted to build these technologies, then we can understand a lot better why things like Bitcoin are the way they are, you know, mm -hmm. like what, what choices made them into these particular tools that we have now. That's what intrigued me about the book. I saw the title and I'm like, this sounds really interesting because I'm familiar with cryptocurrency, but I like the history act, uh, aspect of it. Like, how do we get here? Why do we do the things we do and what led us? Plus, the title kind of looks like uh, I should be on acid or something. So there's that. <laughs> No, the, the, the cover art, I was so happy about this because normally when you get like a tech book, it gets a very kind yeah. of techie cover. But a lot of this book is about like kind of cultural mutants who are trying to create like a new visionary world. So we got this like, go. really psychedelic uh, cover. This is by an artist named Joey Colombo, who does this incredible work where he takes entirely currency and he cuts it up with like an exacto knife and assembles oh. all these new pictures out of it. So that's really currency awesome. that's that's mapped out there on the cover of the book? Yeah, yeah. Holy um, he's, I super. I really encourage. I think he's at like j.colembo on Instagram. I really encourage mm. looking at his stuff. He's, he's really, really cool. That's really neat. So, it, and this speaks to what you, so basically, uh, let's get into the book. Like, how do we get, how do we take us from the beginning one and stuff like that? Or maybe, you know what, uh, can you start with uh, maybe tell us why you wrote the book? Like what intrigued you about it? Yeah, yeah. The um, like I so I'm I'm a historian of technology mostly, right? So I, what really interests me is not just like talking about how a technology you know evolved over time or how it was made, but also trying to understand why it came to be, kind of when and how it did, because you can usually understand a lot more about both history and technology by looking at things that way. So I uh, wrote my first book on spam. Right. Like on on, you know, the, everybody's least loved part of the Internet, you know, spam email, spam, all that stuff. And in the back of my mind and I was finishing it up around like 2008, 2009, which was right when the earliest days of Bitcoin were starting. And one thing that I kept noticing that stayed in the back of my mind was um, spammers have one big problem, right? Like they, they've been able to overcome all of these other like tools for stopping them from spamming. But they have one big problem, which is once you've hooked a sucker, how do you get the money out of them, right? Like it's one thing to, to sort of trick someone into sending you a bunch of money, but where do they send it? And how do you get that money without creating a legal paper trail that, you mm -hmm. know, is going to connect up to you? Basically, right? It's like the classic, it's one thing to rob a bank. It's another thing to get away with it. Yeah. So, I noticed that um, spammers, and especially like these kind of much very high tech spammers who are doing these like ransomware attacks, right? Where you like download some malware and it locks up your computer and then won't unlock it unless you pay them something. Mm -hmm. They were starting to like try to do these payments in Bitcoin. And I was like, that's really interesting. Like this is this, is this kind of ex new experimental currency. But, you know, I always look like the, some of the earliest drivers of any new medium are pornographers um and like you know it's really like it sounds like a joke but it's true you can go back That's to true. like vhs through yeah, like cable yeah. when cable first yeah. came in like you know yeah. even my parents are like there's that's what the cable i'm like mom hey can we get cable we get movies yeah. like uh, it's where are the parties and you're like yeah yeah i want them more now 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And especially when you look at a lot of uh, digital technologies, when they enter like the consumer space, digital network technologies, one of the things that you see is that pornographers tend to be like drivers of industry for like, they had to come up with payment platforms, right? Like, you know, they had to come up with ways that people could securely pay for stuff online in large volumes. They had to come up with like really sophisticated ways of distributing images and streaming video and like doing all these, like there was a lot of, of inventiveness there. Mm -hmm. So it's just to say that like, I always look to uh, what we might think of as like shadier areas of, of new technologies. Cause I think you can often see a lot of innovation happening there. And the moment that I saw that like spammers and malware people were trying to figure out how to use Bitcoin. I was like, Hmm, this is really suggests this thing's like, you know, something's really happen Interesting is happening here. And then I, um, I worked on this book with my colleague, Helen Nissenbaum, called Obfuscation, which is all about how to hide your data, basically. It's all about privacy. And as I was working on that, I kept running into the same people back in the 80s and 90s who were trying to figure out how to make being online more private. And one of the things that a lot of them were deeply concerned about is how do you make monetary transactions private? Mm -hmm. Because... Like there's there's a huge kind of hidden danger there that we don't always think about. Well, right? Every time you pay uh, for something card. electronically, you're like yeah. making, you're identifying yourself, you're yeah. identifying where and when you are, and you also might be producing a lot of data about what you bought. Yeah. And that's like actually a lot of power. So I started to see like a lot of those people in the 80s and 90s were trying to figure out like what does a private transaction system look like? And then mm -hmm. I realized, oh my God, these guys tie into Bitcoin too. Like it's all coming together around this thing. <laughs> so that's really where I realized like I think I need to just write a whole book about this. You know, my friend uh, was on the small team that built the iPhone, Andy Grignon. Oh, wow. You've probably seen him in a few movies. And one of his tasks during the whole thing of building the iPhone, I think it was a team of like 10 or 12, uh, was he had to test the phone for porn. Like he had to make sure the browser would download porn properly. Mm -hmm. And he's mm -hmm. the first person to watch porn on an iPhone because, well, you know, he's working, right? He's got a job. Yeah. But they had to test it because, you know, I don't know, maybe Steve Jobs was, a, you know, needed to do whatever. I don't know. He's a jerk. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but uh, you're right. I mean, that's really the driver for it. Um, so I know that one of the big things that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was really being used for early is I remember the story of Ross Ulbricht. Ulbricht mm -hmm. uh, he was the Silk Road uh, mm -hmm. Darknet marketplace, and that thing turned into like a huge drug thing, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it turned into huge. I think he was doing like a billion dollars or something. Yeah, and, it, was, it was an enormous industry. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I saw that and just went, holy crap. And uh, I think he's enjoying jail right now, but uh, that's his business. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see, his net worth was $28.5 at the time of seizure. And that's, that's the Bitcoin <laughs> they were able to you know, track. Yeah. Um, but I think Not bad I, for a guy running a business out of a public library on his laptop, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is like, it was crazy, man. And... Uh, and in here they're running just drugs internationally. If I recall, there was like a billion dollars of the transactions that went through it mm -hmm. or something like that. Just crazy stuff. So you really feel like the reason – now, I know the guy, there's the, there's a dude who created uh, Bitcoin. And was Bitcoin the first cryptocurrency? 
I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's the first one of real significance, basically. Mm. Like, you know, if I, if I can put on my kind of like pedantic historian hat for a second, it's like there were, you know, a bunch of previous versions of things that were kind of assembling the parts that mm. more or less make up Bitcoin in different ways. They had names like, you know, Bitgold and B-Money and like all these different sorts of experiments. But Bitcoin was the first to really link all those parts together. It solved a couple problems by how it used these technologies that no one had ever solved before. But, Mm -hmm. and I don't think this can be like overstated, it also came out at absolutely the perfect time. Yeah. Right? Like people have been proposing digital cash projects for a long time in lots of different ways. But Bitcoin came out at like the nadir of the global financial crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, end of tail end of 2008, Halloween night, right? This moment. In fact, there's like a a detail encoded in uh, the Bitcoin, like the Genesis Bitcoin block, which is a, a reference to the text of the headline in the Times of London that was like a second bailout for banks, you know, like this like financial oh, wow. emergency. So it's suddenly this, uh, this thing that says, hey, we're not just like a transaction platform, right? We're not just something you can use to buy and sell things. We're also a new form of money. And we're coming out in the middle of this giant emergency for like all existing forms of money. Hmm. Um, And then you combine that with the fact that it really presented itself as a, a, as, as an enabler for new kinds of commerce, you know, like Mm -hmm. people, it was one of the first uh, really functional, viable versions of a digital currency that had said in like, I think the fourth bullet point or fifth bullet point of the white paper, this can be anonymous. You can mm-hmm. like, you can conduct yourself anonymously using this. And so people really started to like, think about like, that's a great driver for adoption is being able to say like, hey, you can do o- anonymous online financial transactions using this tool and it might help you weather this crazy economic storm. Right. Like mm-hmm. those are those are really good contexts for getting people to start like, you know, transacting in it for driving its use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was interesting to watch the rise of it. And I kind of got it right away. I mean, I didn't fully understand the science behind it, but I got that it was a disruptive currency. I, I, th- I thought it was great because, you know, the way you could trade over the Internet and, and buy and sell stuff. And mm-hmm. and I as a as a young boy as a young man uh <laughs> what story is this uh when i was when i was like uh, i don't know 18 or 19 i started studying to be a stockbroker and i was going to go stockbroker which was a bad time to do it because right it was right after black monday black mm-hmm. tuesday black monday um and um and uh and so i learned about you know money policy i own a mortgage company for almost 20 years so i understood money policy the federal reserve mm-hmm. i understood everything about it and so to me seeing the disruptive the uh, nature of bitcoin and cryptocurrency was great because i'm like this is a currency that could disrupt and you know, this could disrupt governments i mean just mm-hmm overthrow everything and you just watch the u.s government the federal reserve start to crap a brick over cryptocurrency it's pretty interesting and then i uh i hung out with brock uh pierce in california and he was going out and giving seminars and got a chance mm-hmm. to meet him and stuff this is before he was uh voted onto the board of of uh, the bitcoin foundation um and then he's speaking of crazy tangents. He's running for president now, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> wow! Uh, yeah, news to me. Yeah. I don't know what he's been smoking out there in Puerto Rico. They all moved <laughs> to Puerto Rico because it's like mm-hmm. a tax-free haven, I guess, after the hurricane. Um, 
So that's kind of interesting, but this probably fits in your narrative of, you know, <laughs> all the all the weird stuff people do with cryptocurrency. But it's really neat. So t- give us more about your book. Well, that, I mean, for what it's worth, what you just said actually fits in more than you would think, because <laughs> like a big part of the kind of the, the, that what the book is sort of about is realizing just how far out and experimental the like agendas and goals of the people who built the technology really were, you know, that like, it's one of the things that makes it especially fascinating is that it's not, um, it's, it's a technology where, where people weren't just making it because like this works better, you know, this is more efficient, this is et cetera, et cetera. It was instead like, this is a way that we can transform human society forever, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is a way that we can remake the world through this, this system. So Part of what I uh, like follow in the book is the the sort of the way that these different agendas keep weaving together, and and basically one of them is um, privacy. One of them is like we can ensure a we can basically stop a totalitarian future from happening if mm-hmm. we can build like private transaction tools and platforms, right? It like these, and these are some of the people I was talking about a little bit money. before, right? Yeah, yes, they're kind of people who are looking forward from the 70s the 80s and being like oh my god like a a like you know trans uh, digital network transaction tool that is not private that's going to be a lever for dystopia right like that's Mm -hmm. and again just like we were talking about it's both something that generates all this information about you and where you are but also and this was something they all like foresaw in the 80s and 90s if you have real-time information about what someone is buying you can make it so they can't buy it Right. Like you can, you know, they could they could already envision something where if you wanted to run a like totalitarian society, then a great way to do it would be to have total control over the like electronic point of sale system, where if you want to buy a book and you're on a list as not being able to buy certain books, it will just decline your card as you try to make the purchase. So they said, okay, we've got to head off this like totalitarian dystopia at the past with private transaction tools. Then there's the second group, which takes that in a way more extreme direction. And these are the cypherpunks. Um, and they, the cypherpunks are kind of a political spectrum in the 80s and 90s, but they're all people who share, who understand how important it is to get powerful encryption tools into everybody's hands, right? They understand how dangerous it is that electronic surveillance can be enabled. They want to figure out how to disable it. But some of them see this as the first step towards the destruction of like all existing order basically <laughs> right like the notion is and i mean most notably this is this guy a crypto anarchist named timothy may um who outlined his vision of the future over and over again which is basically we start by having everyone get strong encryption we build uh like digital cash platforms we build like anonymous or pseudonymous marketplaces uh no one ever needs to know who anyone else is but we can trust each other's reputations blah blah, blah. We create like tax havens around the planet. You know, we like draw everyone into this alternative economy that's totally untaxed and conducted in anarchist currencies. And then everything just collapses. And then presumably like it all works out <laughs> to that. This is the, this sounds like the prenup I had in my fourth marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. Like it's super, like it's, it's, uh, it's very extreme. And the, one of the particular reasons for why it's important to remember May is that he, along with being like a real kind of cheerleader and torchbearer for this whole uh, movement was that he, uh, among many other things, created 
uh, like sort of hoax of what he thought the future could be like, the system called BlackNet. And BlackNet was going to be this like anonymous information trading digital marketplace. And BlackNet was a direct inspiration for both WikiLeaks and the Silk Road. Right. Like May in a lot of ways kind of created, you know, the 20 teens um, or created like kind of big drivers for it. So that's kind of group number two. Do those guys take that inspiration from him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They really like and Assange was like in the cypherpunk scene. He was on their mailing list. Like he wrote back and forth. Ross Ulbricht credited Timothy May and his ideas for like what he saw the Silk Road. Because for him, the Silk Road was just the starting point. Yeah. The idea was you'd start with this marketplace and then every transaction people did on it would kind of teach them how to like operate in black markets outside of state control. And it would sort of be this like accelerator for eroding away like you know governments effectively Mm -hmm. so that's that's group two um and then group three which is in some ways the strangest group of all they share a lot of people with this with the cypherpunks like they all kind of knew each other um and they were the group in which almost every key person in bitcoin was somewhere in this mix of this group and they were called the extropians i love that all these groups give themselves these super cool (laughs) sci-fi gang names you know Um, extropians yeah, right? It's like they sound like they should be, you know, mining the asteroid belt or something. And that's they what also, they wanted to do. They also sound like they had bicycles instead of Harleys. Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yes. No, they, were, they were a very, like, oh, California thanks. cyberpunk, you yeah. know, kind of very health-focused. Probably all drive Teslas. Yeah, yes, yes. Around. Exactly. But, right, so their, and their thing was but they had kind of had this whole like philosophy and theory of history, which was basically that um, technological innovation results from an economic system that is as unregulated as possible. Like systems that create like, you know, bubbles and like out of control phenomena that to them was a good thing, right? They were like any attempt to manage or like regulate investment is going to interfere with, the ability to innovate new technologies, but their particular like long-term goal. And this is what is fantastic about them was we want to so accelerate the speed of technological innovation that there are a series of breakthroughs, which make it possible for us to live forever. Like we can see where this technology, right? (laughs) We're real. We can see where this technology is going. It's going to make it so we can like upload our brains onto computers Mm. or we can like, you know, like, uh, embed our minds onto cloned young bodies or we can you know like for that yeah yeah right like it doesn't it sounds kind of incredible and so their their idea was if we can create them the tools the financial mechanisms that can accelerate innovation by creating this kind of economy that we envision it will basically like spit out all of these transformative technologies that will make it so we can live you know in space like gods forever you know so they were they were kind of the ultimate like radically committed people but again like all of their kind of particular ideas about how they would design money to make this machine happen. Mm-hmm. All of those end up turning up in Bitcoin in one form or another. Wow. It was just like that, that perfect, it's like Napster just hit it out of the park and boom <laughs> yes. or something. I don't know, Facebook or whatever. Um, yeah. That's really interesting to me um, because 
because you kind of wonder how it all came together. And then, and then you see the intro, the, the thing of it too, where it's, you can invest in Bitcoin just by owning Bitcoin, which yeah. circumvents the stock market, circumvents the fed. Um, I mean, I, I just looked at it and went, holy crap, this, this could, you know, bring down some governments, uh, you know, it, if the U.S. government, this U.S. government, you know, has its debt based in in the dollar and and being able to sell that thing to every country around the world, an evaluation, you suddenly make that thing worthless, and we got some problems, baby. And then China, I guess, figured it out, you know, fairly well on that this could be definitely a problem for them and their evil plan of social social credit networks and stuff. And so they, they shut all that down. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, one of the kind of interesting things about seeing how all this has played out is seeing the ways in which stuff like this can also be incorporated in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of one of the, one of the really interesting things about watching how it's all kind of been working itself out is seeing how there's, you know, there's, there's still like uh, communities that have these like very radical convictions, right? That like, we're, we're, we're adopting this because this is going to be the driver of this like anarchist transformation of the world. And then there's a lot of people who are like, we want to create a Bitcoin trading form that will abide by know your customer requirements and will you know like treat this as an asset that's taxable and like become a kind of, new version of like a foreign exchange speculation market and sort of seeing part of what I feel like you've been able to really see in the Bitcoin space over the last while has been a lot of like tension between like these different groups who all kind of have a different idea of what this is actually supposed to be, you know? Yeah. And then you've got governments that, you know, are trying to regulate it, control it, uh, you know, step in and, and uh, try and, you know, give oversight. But I mean, that's, that's where you lose the democratization and the power. I remember, I love the anonymous factor of it because like, I remember, I think it was 2013 or something. We read stories on a, on a company called shit express. Mm -hmm. And basically what you could do is this guy had, was it 2000, 2014, this guy somewhere in, I don't know. I think he's in China now, but he, I think he was in like, you know, Yugoslavia or one of those weird foreign countries uh, in Europe. And you could Bitcoin him 20 bucks and he would mail a little uh, tub of, of uh, horse poop filled with horse poop. And you could even tell him what sort of instructions you want to put on it like you know f you or whatever you deserve this or you know i hate you whatever um and he would mail it (laughs) through the postal service and uh the people would get it and they'd be totally anonymous you know they wouldn't Uh, know that they came from this company and so man i did that to so many neighbors it wasn't even funny barking dogs and crap Um, but I loved it because they would never, there was like no way, like even they got an attorney and sued the company. There's like no way they could figure out, uh, it was me. I don't know what me there was, but I mean, you know, he's, he's in Europe. I mean, you have yeah, to sue yeah. that thing out. And, um, he's been, I think he's still doing it, but it was, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. I mean, you get, I actually sent one to me cause we tested it to review it. And, you know, it's a little Tupperware and, uh, you know, it's got a little thing on it, you know, saying, uh, F you and, and you open it up and it's a whole thing of poop. So, yeah. 
<laughs> it's, yeah. But see, this is the thing, right? Is that like one of the other things that I feel like a lot of uh, like the early cryptocurrency had to kind of struggle with was how many of its initial uses were like things that were taking advantage of the anonymity in various ways, you yeah. know? Um, including actually one of my personal favorites, which is still an ongoing thing, which is um, assassinations, right? Yeah. So the reason why I, I assassinations say a, are your favorite thing. Well, no. So I should explain the reason why I say it's <laughs> such a lighthearted way is that um, there's this whole scene on uh, the so-called dark web, right? On like mm-hmm. you know Tor onion sites and stuff, where you can find these sites where people are like you know hitmen for hire, and you pay in Bitcoin, and they're. All, the reason why I find it hilarious is they're all scams because oh, yeah. taking advantage of the anonymity <laughs> thing. They're all these like sort of, you know, incredibly like, you know, they have this great like graphic design where it's all uh-huh. kind of like, you know, you're getting in touch with Jason Bourne is, and putting out a hit. Hitman are us. Call today. Yeah. <laughs> 100% guarantee. By the it's, way, it's, we're not the FBI. Wink. <laughs> It's really not that far off from that. And then you you go, and I like, I love the idea of someone being like, well, I guess this is how it happens now. And they're sending money to some like Macedonian teenager who's going to buy a new motorcycle, (laughs) you know, or whatever. But um, you know what I do? I'd have a site set up where I would get your money and then I'd be like, okay, blackmail time. Yeah. Uh, You need to send me more Bitcoin or I'm going to the feds. Um, of course, I don't know that converse. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, they just busted that one kid recently who hacked all the Twitter accounts. Yeah, yeah, like seventeen or something. Yeah, and uh, I guess some people sent him money. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, some of the legal stuff that you can do. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I, you, you, what you're telling me was, you know, I've always heard Edward Snowden harp about how, you know, we need to be encrypted. But, you know, it sounds like you talk about how there's a future that way that can get out of hand, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's I think it's possible to find like a, a good middle way, though, you mm-hmm. know, like the the sort of, you know, the, the hard part with a lot of the like pure crypto anarchist projections is that they always they always assume that the government is just going to give up you know <laughs> like everyone's just going to be like well you know like this technology is very advanced so i guess we'll just you know fold up shop and you know yeah. sell our office furniture and leave but um but i think there's you know for for me the the kind of one of the really important things is to find a way to um, you know, without having to like sort of say like basically to not say like it has to be full crypto anarchist or nothing, you know, mm-hmm. because I think it's actually really socially important to be able to have strong civilian encryption, right? Like the the kinds of ways that people can basically be abused uh, in situations where you permit too much oversight like i think that is uh is incredibly dangerous and Mm. you know one way that i like to think about this just to get like really practical for a second is like to look at how uh poor people who receive benefits for example in new york state right like you don't get cash you get like a card and the card has a kind of money on it that is only useful for certain things Mm. right so you know, and on one level, you can be like, okay, I can see the point of that in some areas, but it's often really arbitrary. And so it ends up being like, you can, um, 
you can't buy prepared food, which means that like, if you have like a rotisserie chicken, right, that's like the cheapest protein in the grocery store. That's a loss leader, but you can't buy it because in the database it is prepared. And also like that data is constantly surveilled and it can play a role in like whether Mm. or not your kids get taken away. Like it's, it's a huge amount of power. So now I need to stay away from that rotisserie chicken at Costco. (laughs) (laughs) no exactly it's like it's so like and then like imagine that being given to you know like the like i always say like when you're thinking of the implications of a technology imagine it being given to your worst adversary you know imagine this being given to like the crummiest most exploitative payday loan corporation and they're like you know we'll give you this cash advance in this digital form. And then part of the terms of service are we get to sell your data to anybody and we will like decide that certain things will be more expensive so that you will have to buy from like our, you know, sweetheart deal companies or whatever. Like it, it could get really, really, really bad. So that's part of why I almost want to say like, you know, let's, let's steer away from the crypto anarchist idea because I think that, turns it from like, hey, we could make people a lot more free into we can only make people more free if we destroy everything, you know? So it's like <laughs> to kind of have like an incremental stage there, I think is important. Anarchy is free, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. yeah. Fucking no rules. And it's the purge. Yeah. Run with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there you go. Yeah. So so that it's interesting to me. You go through a lot of different things. Hash cash, big gold, B money, RPOW, crypto credits, the black net. Uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out this thing. Um, and, uh, you know, now there's like so many different cryptocurrencies. Like I can't keep track of them. Like I lost track a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> Me too. Dogecoin yeah, and yeah. Litecoin. And, um, <laughs> you know, one of my old friends, uh, Michael Arrington, uh, took over, um, started an investment thing. And I think his, he, uh, XRP is hmm. what he oh. uh, invested in and started a hundred million dollar yeah. fund in. Um, and then that crashed. <laughs> But I think he bought uh, he bought some news uh, thing that does news for for uh, I think it's Coin or something Coin Gold or something. He bought some news outlet for that. Um, but it's interesting to me how many different things are, and then and then how cryptocurrency went from you know being a Bitcoin monetary thing to the blockchain. And that mm-hmm. confused everybody. Everyone's like, "What? I thought we we're doing some money here. Now we're doing account. <laughs> like, what the hell's going on?" I thought we were making money and now, now, now IBM's involved and they want to, they want to, I don't know, do inventory or something on our shit. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is it? What? And then Bitcoin splitting, there's Bitcash and there's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And what was interesting to me is so many people could always have invested in the dollar. I mean, you know, you can mm-hmm. buy T bills or invest in the dollar in the stock market, I guess. Um, but it doesn't have that wild, beautiful speculation that that, that uh, Bitcoin did, you know. Yeah. Right? People are like, "Yeah, man, bought at six hundred. You know, I know some at six hundred. Unfortunately, I sold it before it went to twenty grand, and uh, you know, and then it comes down again. I got friends losing their shirts, and yeah. I got other friends, you know, uh, you know, that are Bitcoin millionaires and stuff. Um, and so it's been an interesting journey to watch. Where do you see the future of of all this going? Does it What's the future of cryptocurrency and everything else? That's a great question. No, it's, it's, I mean, the next so book? I, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I should I should say like you know I am uh, no one should ever take investment from advice from me on anything ever. Okay. You know, the lawyer <laughs> disclosure right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you understand that this guy is like not a pro in this area, et cetera. But I would, um, I would, I would say, I think there's, there's a couple different directions that the future is going to go in, in my estimation. One of them is just as you say, right. Blockchain is, you know, is and has already become its own thing. And I mean, that's partially because, you know, in a really weird way, the creation of digital cash, the creation of Bitcoin involved actually having to solve an even harder, weirder problem than like, how do you create a digital coin that people can transact? And that harder, weirder problem was, well, the only way you can make that digital coin is if you have a system where all, uh, you know, a huge population of strangers who don't know each other can all trust one another through some kind of mechanism that everyone owns what they say they own and that everyone is transacting what they say they're transacting. And that's this like huge distributed app and only ledger, which is the blockchain, right? That you can like a system where everyone can be certain that stuff is being added to this ledger and never altered or changed after it's added, you know, like, yeah. and that actually is like an, a kind of an amazing tool, like something where you don't need to rely on any other institution to timestamp something to yeah. be able to provide proof of ownership. So blockchain is going to keep on being its own thing, you know, mm -hmm. its own way of like doing logistics, doing ownership of all different kinds. Like there's some really interesting blockchain applications for everything you can think of from like deeds to, I mean, speaking of prenuptials to like to, you know, contracts and prenups and like all those different kinds of things. Like having a, a kind of distributed notary system is actually like sounds very boring, but is extremely powerful. Oh, it's but great. Then, I yeah, hired yeah. a notary the other day. It cost me like 40 bucks. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, because it's actually really like it's kind of a hard problem to be able to say for sure that like, you know, this document was like, you know, certified as having. And in fact, um, something that gets overlooked a lot, but um, my colleague Amy Whitaker, like tracked down the fact that the earliest blockchain has nothing to do with money. It was created by scientists because they were like, when you're in the sciences, right? Like it's really important to be able to say when people go back and like check your data that like, you know, okay. I'm not messing with the numbers. This happened this day, this happened that day. These experiments happened in this order, wow. whatever. So they've got wow. this whole system of like paper notebooks that are specially designed. So you can't like swap pages or cut oh. pages out, things like that. Huh. So these scientists were like, well, what do we do about this digitally? And they basically invented the blockchain. And they had this whole system where you could like digitally stamp your scientific results. And then so everyone could collectively verify. And this is true. They published a, um, a, like a, an ad in the lost and found section of the New York Times, I think like mm -hmm. once a week that would have like the cryptographic key oh, for wow. everyone to be able to type that in and be like, okay, all of this is still accurate, you know? Wow. So it's to say that like, there's a lot of cool stuff <laughs> that you can do with that kind of system. But getting back to the money part, Part, which is obviously kind of the sexier, more exciting part. Like, I think my, my personal guess over the longer term is that um, the period when we had, if you lived in one country, you kind of had one currency that you used. We think of that as just the way it is, but that's actually a pretty recent invention. And most of human history is like people dealing with a whole mix of different kinds of money. 
you know, mm-hmm. that would range from like certain kinds of like, uh, you know, debt to like uh, letters of credit to bills of exchange. They had all these fancy names, like all these weird documents that were their own kind of money. Some kinds of money would be on paper. There'd be different kinds of coins from different countries, blah, 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 blah. So the reason I say all that is I think that's what the future looks like. The future mm-hmm. looks like the past. It looks like a situation where we have a mix of like, you know, territorial currencies, right? Like the US dollar, the euro, the whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then also kind of different kinds of cryptocurrency vehicles that we use for different purposes. Mm-hmm. I highly, I highly, highly doubt that the future is Bitcoin for everyone, you know, the one and only thing. Instead, I think yeah. it's going to be like Bitcoin for this purpose, Ethereum for this purpose, like some kind of who knows what, some weird points system. We already have like all these w- different currencies we use in the yeah. form of like <laughs> Starbucks cards and airline points and miles and minutes and all the rest of it. So just imagine that like proliferating with like more of those kinds of options for everyone. I think Starbucks just announced they were, they were going to take, I thought I saw an email recently, they were going to take different types of currency or different ways that you could pay your for, yeah. for your Starbucks cards or something. I was like, <laughs> yes, yeah. I was like, okay, whatever, man. You guys really want to sell some coffee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, keeping a list of everything you do and how you do it um, with, with blockchain, I think my my uh, let's see, it was my fifth ex-wife used to keep that. Uh, she used to use blockchain to keep track of everything I'd ever done wrong. And then she could always <laughs> go back to like, in May yeah. 4th of 1999, you mm-hmm. uh, left the toilet seat up. Um, so, but uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes and where it goes. And that's really where I kind of faded out a little bit because mm. there, there were just so many, you know, Litecoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum, XRP, yeah. and, and then the splitting. And then I'm just like, I don't know, man. I'm just going to, I'm just trying to get some dollars right now. So I'll just kind of work on that <laughs> yes, part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know my friends were into like all of it and there just got to be so much of it that like you could start making up coin names right now. And I'd be like, yeah, that's, yeah, I know yeah, about that. Yeah, totally. Like you just, you just be like, you know about Bob coin, Bob coin is yeah. doing really well right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Uh, but I probably there's probably people right now looking up Bob Coin on the podcast. Where's Bob Bob Coin? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's see. Maybe I can get in on that. You know, maybe there's like a you know, yeah. How's mining doing these days? Bitcoin or just you know cryptocurrency mining and stuff. Well, I mean, cryptocurrency mining is an evolving area, right? Like the the kind of you know, I know a lot of people in the Bitcoin space, and and so I. I, it hurts me to say this, but in a lot of ways, like the the original Bitcoin mining system was clearly a bad prototype. You know, mm-hmm. that like never like there's a whole lot of flaws with choosing that specific thing, which we can now without getting into too much technical detail, but we can kind of see that in terms of how it's become this like monster energy hog, right? Like yeah. it's the system that needs colossal amounts of electricity to do nothing right like the problem like it all it produces is heat and then like a verifiable level of difficulty and nothing else is achieved by this it's so Uh. insanely wasteful but so there's a bunch of um and it's also something that has become very centralized which was a whole big kind of concern early on but which now everyone just kind of deals with the fact like just lives with the fact that there's like this mining which was supposed to have been like spread out Uh uh-huh so that like people were competing on a more level playing field has now really been centralized into a small group of, of mega miners in place oh, really? with places with like very cheap electricity. Um, but the, uh, the, 
the kind of cool thing is that people are coming up with new ways to think about how you do that verification of trust, right? Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different ways now to... Uh, you know, quote unquote, mine for coins and not all of them involve, you know, just racks and racks and racks of chips, you know, like taking megawatts and megawatts and megawatts of power. Um, So people are coming up with some very cool ways where, for example, there's kinds of coins that are evolving now where your buy-in to the coin is that you give some kind of resource to the whole coin community that, mm-hmm. so maybe it's something where you can, for example, put uh, give uh, space on your computer that other people can store pieces of data in whenever your computer mm-hmm. is online and you have this kind of distributed storage system. And then in return for that space, you get the ability to like get some coin and then you can use that coin to buy mm-hmm. space yourself or to like do some, you know, or to like trade it with other people or buy mm-hmm. other stuff with it. So there's some very cool ways to think about like how could we use sounds like multi-level marketing coin where we're <laughs> there is well, tears like... say, yeah there's there's a lot of you know i mean for me and i don't mean to say this in a light-hearted way but like as someone who like does a lot of history related to like scams and crimes and things like that like one of the hilarious things about cryptocurrencies has been that like every financial scam that has ever existed has been replicated in cryptocurrency at least once, you know, yeah. Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, every kind of like, you know, like boiler room, like junk bond hustle. Like it's all been, you know, recreated there. You know, I don't know if it's, it's, it's uh, a miners looking for, you know, things aren't working out for them anymore, but in the last two weeks, I've been hustled by two guys, one on Instagram, which kind of came out of the blue. I'm like, why are you Mm. pitching me Bitcoin mining and stuff? And then uh, another one was on LinkedIn. And it started out with just a real idiot conversation. Like, do you know what cryptocurrency is? I'm like, dude, have you fucking read my bio? And it just, just, like, he just, I go, yeah, I do. I've, you know, I bought, I have some, I have Coinbase. And, and, uh, and uh, there's not much in it. So don't bother going looking. People, um, the uh, I think it was like eighty bucks or something in there, uh, and uh, <clears throat> of course tomorrow if Bitcoin goes to twenty grand, it'll be like a hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, and then the next week it'll be down to seventy again. Um, but uh, they were hitting me up for near as I could tell, some sort of thing where I, they wanted me to give them money and they would mine for it, and then I'd get mm. money back because they were posting these posts from proposed customers are like i made an extra three grand with joe and uh i was like what and there's one guy on the, the one guy on instagram he'd taken and like if you looked at his instagram wall he blocked out like huge blocks where he'd put up like 20 photos three mm-hmm. across and they all look like you know his, his blockchain wall so i don't know is that like a new scam going on where they're these uh blockchain dudes or or not blockchain but bitcoin miners are they're not making money wow. anymore, so they're trying to hustle yeah. you know, small-time people. I I don't know about that exactly, but I've seen a bunch of examples of basically people sending messages that are that sort of trick people who don't know or understand much about oh. Bitcoin into thinking that, like, basically, well, so there's this classic old-fashioned American scam called uh, the money machine. 
right? Where the idea is that like someone shows you a box, you put a piece of blank paper in, they crank the handle and it spits out like a $20 bill. And then you sell the person that for, you know, some big chunk of, uh, of cash and then you abscond from town and are never seen again. But um, the, uh, I, I see, I've seen a bunch of uh, Bitcoin come-ons uh, by email that have all kind of taken that form, which is mm. basically put, give me some money and I will run my magic mining machine for you. And then I yeah. will sell the Bitcoin on your behalf and return all of this cash to you. And it's, you know, yeah. guaranteed 15,000% return on your investment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like you know, I I just saw it I just smelled it out as soon as I could I'm like yeah. I'm like you're not making money doing this so you're making money kind of teaching it which you know it's like it's like you always see the people that are like I have a course on LinkedIn and you're like because you can't make money on LinkedIn that's yeah. why you have a course <laughs> yes, on LinkedIn. yes well no it's but the you're gonna teach me how to thing. make money yeah. on LinkedIn by making yeah. a course and telling other people how to be on LinkedIn yeah I, I see what's going on here Carlton yeah. Sheets. Um, <laughs> The uh, so yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, thing uh, in and uh, an interesting world, and I guess you go through it in the book and document all the weirdness, the craziness, the insanity. It's it's been it's been a lot of it's by far my the most fun book that I've ever written. Like it's it's got so much strange, amazing, true stuff in there. Yeah, and and it's probably not going to get any less crazy, maybe in the future. Oh no. I mean, well, I think, I think, you know, these aspects of, of, you know, Bitcoin and blockchain and so on, like there's elements of them that are definitely getting kind of institutionalized and regularized yeah. and stuff like that. Like the, you know, the, the big concern on the part of people that I, I met from uh, the U S treasury was not even necessarily that it was going to like destroy the dollar, but that there was going to be contagion problems. Right. They were mm -hmm. basically worried that like, if there is like a huge speculative bubble around Bitcoin, then it'll start like sucking money out of the existing economy. And then if the bubble pops, then there might be like financial panic that that would set off in other areas. Wow. But they're now starting to like, sort of be like, okay, everything's kind of moderate and settling down and meanwhile you're getting these situations where like huge central banks are like we're interested in issuing our own cryptocurrency or yeah. we're interested in using blockchain <laughs> to manage our like settlement system between our banks or whatever yeah. like so that part of it is probably going to get very normalized but i think the cryptocurrency landscape as a whole is just going to keep getting stranger you know yeah. like it's it's there's a lot of potential in the technology that has not been halfway unlocked yet and see, I understood investing, you know, I used to do day trading and stuff. And so I had friends that were like, your blockchain's going to go to 100,000 in the next year, <laughs> you know, when it hit 20 and people were, you know, people getting really stupid with it. And, and they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to start having the bear market people come in and we're start regulating like a market. And I'm like, you guys don't understand once these bear market short sellers show up and can start playing the the short and put game with the uh, stocks and Bitcoin yeah. and stuff, they're going to regulate this fucker down where it's not going to have wild swings anymore. It's going to, yeah. it's going to get stability because they make money on both sides. I mean, I, you see it on the stock market every now, and if you understand, um, uh, short, short selling and everything else in the stock market. I mean, there's always a guy, you know, there's always a guy on one guy in the bear side and there's always a guy on the bull side. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. And yeah. Everyone's fighting over it. And that, that gives you your, Kind of a, a form of regulation, if you will. So I'm like, I don't yeah. think it's going to 100,000. Maybe nice because my 70 bucks would go to 150 or something. <laughs> yes, yeah. Did you have you seen that that John McAfee tweet that people have been retweeting? Oh, that like I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like four years ago Which or something one? like that. Which yeah, no, one? He, I, 
I'm trying to remember, like, I can't remember the exact timeline, but like, I think four years ago, maybe, yeah, someone asked him basically Bitcoin to a million and he gave a date. He was like four years from now, which oh, was really? a couple days ago. He said, Bitcoin will be at a million or I will like eat my dick was on it? live television or something like that. I and now people he, are like retweeting that to him being like, so, you know, um, <clears throat> McAfee, that dude, that dude yeah. is one of those, uh, that dude's one of those guys that they should have had in the eighties when they were like, don't do drugs. Like, <laughs> yes. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. A like, testament to the power of cocaine and weird designer pharmacy. Yeah. God knows, you know? God knows yeah. what he was doing down yeah. there. In fact, I, it's, I don't even know if he's still wanted for murder. Um, but, <laughs> I'm, not sure, yeah, you know, I'm not sure what happened. Every now and then he, he like tweets out some crap where he's like, we're hiding in a basement in France yeah. because the CIA is after us. Yeah, I'm watching something on him right now. He's wearing like glasses and he's in some Sambo's room that looks like it's green screen. Why yeah. power corrupts? I don't know, dude. Get off the get off the uh uh what the hell is this going? Do this, I think this. he was running for president for a while too. Like, you know, who knows at this stage? But anyway, it's just to say that, like, I think there's, you know, like, I think you're right that we are seeing, like, as, you know, you know, it's the classic thing, right? Like, as, uh, you know, a financial, like, a new financial vehicle, a new asset class, as it comes into being, all of the smart people and the smart money come into it and one of the things that really happens is it starts to like settle down you know and like lose a lot of those opportunities for uh you know crazy just as you say like crazy swings and speculations and stuff yeah and and you know that's what happens you 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 see you know like i I lived the dot-com era where i was day training during that thing and that thing was crazy because it was real easy to hit a home run but uh every time that was real easy to lose the home run and, uh, but, uh, for the most part, I mean, you could just wake up at 7am and hit whatever new tech tech thing was hitting the ground and, you know, pick up 50 grand, like 20 minutes on that thing. And, um, I remember I put my mom in AOL and she, she took it all the way to a hundred grand. Um, wow. you know, with AOL, that was back when it was splitting like five times every two months or something. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, you know, there's all that. So it'll be interesting to see the way it goes. It definitely has calmed down and the hype seems to have gone away. You know, it, there was a time there when it hit 20 grand where like everybody was talking about it. Hey, do you yeah, know Bitcoin? Yeah. And I guess I'll have to watch my emails. It was, it was just weird. I've never had anybody hit me up about Bitcoin mining or investing in it or anything like that. I, you know, back in the day when with reviews, people would be like, hey, do you want to review some Bitcoin mining things. And I'm like, dude, that's a lot of work. Just to set that stupid thing up. And I, I don't really yeah, care. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, you got to deal with, you know, which is higher, the power bill or what you got out of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not really viable for like the individual miner anymore. Like it yeah. really is like a conglomerate scale sort of thing. These days. I had these, yeah. And I had these guys. Now I remember I had these guys that were calling me up and they're like, yeah, we get this thing where everybody uses their computer and you basically like rent space at our Bitcoin mining facility to, you know, like you said, you use a, your computer and your thing. And I'm just like, yeah, man, I, I know what a Ponzi scheme is. I've seen that. <laughs> I know that's working. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw the Fort Gox movie or whatever it was. Um, yeah. The uh, so crazy stuff. So anything more we need to know about your book? What's in it? 
Well, I would just, I, the last thing I just want to mention, because it's kind of, it, it's the thing that surprised me the most in writing it, and I think it surprises people the most in reading it, and it's a hell of a lot of fun, is that uh, that extropian group, that kind of third wing of people trying to build digital cash who had such an influence on Bitcoin, right, their particular goal was to create a future where they could, you know, become these immortal, godlike, spacefaring, like, beings. And one of the challenges that you face, if that's your goal, is, well, what if you create all the groundwork for the future that you know can happen, and then it kicks in just after you die? So the solution was <laughs> to have yourself cryonically frozen. So there's a whole section in there about being cryonically frozen and about oh, like wow. how many people in the history of digital cash are like in uh, big tanks in Serious. like outside of Scottsdale. Yeah. You know, and Serious. like immersed in liquid nitrogen. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. It's like a bunch of key digital cash people are all kind of like now on ice, like waiting to be brought back in the future. And I just like, I find that so fascinating that, that is like the- I can't, yeah, I can't have share. <laughs> see, here's the thing too, though. I wouldn't want it in Scottsdale, Arizona. Fuck that. If somebody kicks that plug out of the wall, you know, that place is 120 degrees. I used to live in Vegas, man. I know what Scottsdale's like. I'd be yeah. like, I, I, you know, I'd want that up in what's that seed place that they have where they have the seed. Oh, yeah, up in, yeah. That would make sense, right? Put it yeah. in like the Svalbard like yeah. vault, you know, yeah, in the Arctic yeah. Circle. But no, they if did someone's this whole vacuuming, analysis. they kick the plug out of the wall, you know, at least we're okay <laughs> for a while, you know. Well, the thing is that, believe it or not, that has happened before, not with this place, not with the mm. Scottsdale facility, but in the history of cryonics, um, there's been a couple situations where they had a whole setup and then they like ran into a bunch of financial trouble and like their power got cut off. <laughs> and then you had these amazing legal cases where you had to figure out, is this like negligence and violation of contract or is it murder? Because, like, yeah. the person did this thinking that they were going to, like, live again, yeah. you know? And, like, people fighting over that stuff in court. That's like, crazy, it's, it's pretty man. nuts. But, yeah. That's crazy. Because you're like, yeah. they're not dead, but they're not coming back for a refund. So, yeah. well, they think they are. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. are they really? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Like, how do we like, account? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like uh that sounds like a, like a materialistic form of what religion calls heaven. Like, yeah, you know, that's, that's the problem with what I have with the religion, you know, they always want cash up front. Cause you know, God's always broke according to George Carlin and he always needs money. He's, he's all powerful. He's a really smart guy created the universe, but he's always fucking broke. Yeah. Uh, I think he gambles on the horses a lot or something, <laughs> but he's got, so I don't know. I guess he doesn't know which horse is going to go, even though he's got, but, uh, that's his problem. Um, and, uh, but you know, they sell you this real estate, you know, this, this, this say, you know, like if you're Scientology, you get like a planet, Mormons get like a planet. And then, yeah. uh, and then if you, uh, you know, there's heaven and hell and three layer cakes or whatever, I don't know, uh, three levels of, of hell, which is, that describes my seventh ex-wife. Um, and, uh, <laughs> oh, they were good people. Um, and then, uh, and the, so you got this, you got all this going on, but, but the problem is knowing returns from dead going, Hey man, you, I want my money back. Can I get that back? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's a perfect deal. You, there's no inventory. You're just selling a visible real estate, you know? Um, yeah. but that cryptocurrency or the crypto, uh, or keeping people in the cryogenic chambers. That's, yeah. that's crazy, man. Did they leave, yeah. did they put Michael Jackson, one of those at the end or are they bury him? Um, I don't 
No, I mean I, I think, think he was staying very... in one. To yeah, I, I mean he was well, no, I think he was, Yeah, he used to he used to stay in a hyperbaric chamber. I yeah, think, which is like one one of those ones where they like that you have very low ox. It's like being at a super high altitude, mm. so that you have a, like and actually it's something like certain like super hardcore athletes do I guess too because the idea is right that it's like mm. you sleep at like you know. 15,000 feet and mm. then you live at sea level and you have this like huge boost of energy or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. keep my penis in one at night so that even though I'll get old, my penis will still be really young. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> sounded good in my head. Strange. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's that. Those of you who are interested, you can go to, uh, no, I don't have a joke for that. Anyway, uh, so give us the dot coms where people can look you up on the interwebs, uh, order your book up and read it up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm at, uh, Finn B F I N N D dot net. Um, the new book is called digital cash and then a crazy long subtitle. But if you just search basically digital cash or like Finn digital cash, it'll like bring it up. Um, oh. and yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's also a really good audio book version too, actually. Oh, there you um, go. An audiobook. Yeah. For, being stuck in traffic. Didn't this just come out on paperback? Um, I should thinking, know I'm that. Of another, maybe I'm thinking of another book. Yeah, I, I know that paperback was on its way. I don't know if it's uh, if it's out yet. Yeah, the Might... paperback is out. The okay, paperback awesome. is out. Yeah, yeah. So, I haven't received my own copies yet, but yeah, <laughs> call, you know, call somebody. I, yeah. The, uh, no, the paperback is out. There's a hardcover book. Uh, there's the audio book and the Kindle you can take and get. I think it's really cool. I got to look some more at your at your uh, cover because that's all like cut up money. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. No, Joey Colombo is he's a, he's a genius, and like his work is. Uh, it's like, it's almost all currency. He does it by hand. Uh, and it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really a trip to look at. Well, yeah. it'll be an interesting book to read. Everyone go check it out. Uh, thanks to Finn for being on the show with us and sharing his wonderful knowledge. Brilliant. So order his book up on amazon.com or your local, uh, support your local booksellers. Um, also, uh, if you want to see the video version of this, you can go to youtube.com for us. Chris Voss, hit that bell notification um, and you can go to the ecvpn.com or chrisfosspodcastnetwork.com. Uh, thanks, Manus, for being here. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming.